red five. I'm going in. Stay in attack formation. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Trench Report. I am your co-host, Aaron Russo, and I am joined by my other co-host... Uh, Justin. And we also are joined by... David Brooklander, sitting in. All right, so welcome to another edition, and uh, we are here today to talk about probably something I don't know that I ever anticipated we would have an episode on yeah i, I don't is, think anybody did uh <laughs> which is the star wars vintage collection that was released on disney plus it's been how long now like maybe uh, about, about a couple weeks couple weeks um so yeah so we thought it'd be cool to do an episode just to talk about the content that was released on disney plus um i think it'll be an interesting conversation some of the stuff is like amazing and super cool and some of it really isn't <laughs> so so on that note we'll kick off the conversation do we want to maybe talk about save the best for last <laughs> um yeah or yeah let's do that <laughs> so 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 with that being said um so we're pretty much starting out with the uh, one that i don't i don't think any of us finished uh which is the uh ewok uh uh cartoon uh, that was released uh, in night in 1984, I believe, or some. I think it was like two seasons of it, though. Um, I've watched a couple episodes, um, but I I couldn't I just couldn't really finish it, mainly due to time restraint and plus I feel like it was just uh, just the uh, um, predecessor. I don't I don't what's the word for I think it was kind of like an inspiration for. Uh, uh, Care Bears and uh, uh, Gummy Bears. <laughs> that's kind that's, of what that's, I was that's kind of like the best way to describe it. Um, it's not an, an attention grabber. It's more something to have in the background, maybe when you have little kids over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's probably of all the stuff, for sure, of the vintage stuff, but even maybe of really anything that's been done for Star Wars. That's I mean, that is truly for children. Like, yep. That is like, it, it gave me like a total like, like Saturday morning cartoons, like for like five year olds in their pajamas kind of a feel like mm-hmm. just really kid, kid oriented. Um, and very, I mean, like it's, it's, it's cool to watch like, like that animation style, like, you know, that, that old eighties animation style and that, and that genre of animation. But yeah, that I, I couldn't, I just. I had the time. I just didn't have the motivation <laughs> to watch all of it. It's just, it's like, I mean, like the the Ewok live action stuff was 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 challenging enough, but like, but the the Ewok cartoons though. I mean, it, the, that's the only thing that on there that I don't. I just don't even barely remember it when it came out. I mean, I was fourteen or fifteen at the time, so I probably just didn't even pay attention. Oh, but, okay. But yeah, that was a that was a tough to sit through much of it. But it's Ewoks, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously George loved the Ewoks. 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, d- just quick, quick question, David. Did you grow up with a lot of uh, cable TV or, or uh, not so much cable TV? Just what was ever on the normal cha- channels or whatever. But yeah, there were oh, okay. some some cartoons. Um, I don't remember any of them growing up that that I'd watch. Um, but it definitely had had like that kind of a vibe. Yeah. Like it was meant for the younger younger kids wake up Saturday morning, grab a bowl of oatmeal or the Frosted Flakes and just sit down and watch it for the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of gave me like a Hanna-Barbera. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. vibe. Like that was kind of the feeling I got. Yeah, I, I was thinking more of uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers or uh, uh, du- like the early DuckTale uh, cartoons. Um, but... But yeah, more more so Care Bears. It, it was it, it was like it, it, it had it had that yeah, that was, that um, that uh, that feeling of like how many recreational drugs were involved when you <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of just jumps out at you. It's like this is weird. Like were sober people involved, or was this you know like I don't know. It's just a little like there's elements of it that are just very reflective i think of like the 70s and 80s and like oh, yeah. that 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 kind of like psychedelic subculture <laughs> that mm-hmm. i think kind of comes through de- de- definitely a product of its time yes <laughs> uh yeah i i don't think there were any reruns of it um that i can recall um and the plus like i i grew up with a lot of reruns so i so i know most of the old disney channel shows uh, I know about uh, Transformers and uh, uh, Gem and Hologram- Holograms and uh, a lot of the older stuff, but um, yeah, Ewoks was never one of those things that uh, came back ever, on. Ever came back on? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the and plus, I think the only time I ever heard about its existence was around in high school, uh, in one of the Star Wars books. Um, that kind of had like this uh, timeline thing of when things were released, and the Ewok cartoon and Droids, which is not on Disney Plus yet, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they'll get to that someday. That's weird, but um, yeah, and I, I, and I also heard that some of the episodes uh, to the Ewoks uh, cartoon were not on the DVD releases uh, back in 2004. So I don't know if this is the complete. Um, uh, Ewoks uh, collection yeah, or not? Um, I'd I'd have to go and listen to Blast Point because they'll they'll they have a better way of explaining it, and I'm pretty sure they're a little bit more knowledgeable about this than uh, all three of us uh, put together. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess that's... I, I would definitely say it, for me it was kind of funny to watch it because uh, yeah, I had like the you mentioned like the Care Bears or whatever. But also, looking at like some of like the extended universe uh, depictions of the Ewoks and how they're they're not the cuddly little teddy bears that they are like in the films, and then there's a TV show and that's exactly what they are. So I, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it's not in. I will say this: I am really happy that uh, this cartoon is not in uh, the Wookiee language. I mean, that Ewok language. Ah, sorry. <laughs> that, uh, that would be hard to follow. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, yep, that's that's Ewoks. Uh, let, let's uh, move away from Ewoks by talking about more Ewoks. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so, uh, Caravan, uh, Caravan of Courage is the first one, right? Uh, yeah, that's the first one that came out in, uh, 1984. So, like, right after Return of the, a year after Return of the Jedi. Um, so, actually, uh, big question, uh, which one, which one did you guys like better? Caravan of Courage or, uh, Battle for Endor? Oh, I thought Battle for Endor was miles ahead of caravan of courage i did uh, not, i did not get a chance to go through that yet <laughs> okay i thought i mean caravan of courage to me was just i mean it was terrible it was it was terrible i mean it was just the pacing was really slow like the acting was terrible the, the writing was terrible i thought it was just atrocious i mean like it, it it's it's still i mean i think it's a kid show mm-hmm. more than um battle for indoor battle for indoor is like downright horrifying and violent but but uh caravan of courage i was it's just it just you know i remember it coming out when when i'm you know when i was 14 years old and like i remember that you know seeing that on on television but yeah that did not age well at all (laughs) i just i was really it was like it was a slog to get through it um but speaking of the ewoks like it's really interesting how they did manage to make a whole, you know, two essentially movies with you. Oh, I know, I know. Like Wicket starts to speak basic, like oh yeah, at some point. Uh-huh. But like yeah, it, it is interesting that they can how much they can do with the Ewoks, kind of like with the Wookies. Like we're like they never communicate in English, and you still can create a whole story around them, which is pretty interesting. Um, but then there was like that was one of the things that I just didn't understand like like there was times in both of them like especially in, Car- in Caravan of Courage I think where it was like like clearly like the Ewoks did not understand anything that the human characters were saying mm-hmm. but then somehow they would like if he just said it really slow or really loud they would like oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. and I'm like what you don't catch you understand what he's saying he's not speaking your language but um, but I thought yeah I I think that like. I don't know what it was. Like I feel like from Caravan of Courage to Battle for Endor, like they just like went to a whole nother level. Now, I mean, Battle for Endor was nothing amazing either, but I feel like it was just it was better writing, better action, better 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 acting. It was just way more. It was much easier for me to sit through, mm-hmm. and I think it had a lot more of the like world building and like attention to detail that you might expect in a Star Wars. And I also is also really interesting it had strong like dark crystal willow like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, know, that, like that I can definitely it really see that. especially like Battle for Endor like had such a it's so it I, I like it was like this really interesting look back to like pre CGI, you know, mm-hmm. when everything had to be a physical costume or a puppet or a practical effect for the most part, like with very few exceptions and like the limitations of that. And like, (laughs) and that they managed to make it somewhat believable was, was interesting. I thought, I just, I don't remember the, the, I don't remember the name of the like bad guys in the battle for Endor, but they were, 
scary. Like, like if I was a kid watching that, I would be horrified by those guys. Like, mm-hmm. They were ugly and mean and hostile. And, and, like, that little girl, like, holy crap. Like, she's, like, in serious peril. Like, like <laughs> horrifying, like, trauma, like, PTSD-inducing peril, like, repeatedly. And I was like, whoa, like... It's like intense, I thought, but, but yeah, I, I think Caravan of Courage, I just, I was just, you know, it was barely tolerable, um, um, but Battle of Battle for Endor, like, definitely took it up a notch. I also really enjoyed seeing Wilford Brimley again. <laughs> oh yeah, the the uh, diabetes guy. <laughs> He's, he was also very much a product of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he did a TV show. Like, I don't remember what it was, where he played, like, this thing. He always plays, like, you know, the, the kindly, old, bespectable, bespectacled man, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, grandfather figure or, like, something like that. But, yeah. I think it's interesting, like, just the fact that you had the Ewok cartoons, Battle for Endor, Caravan of Courage, like, all this Ewok-centric stuff. And it really does, you know, that's what George Lucas was after, right? Like, I mean, I remember, like, people, you know, always, to this day, people are, like, either love the Ewoks or hate them, right? But clearly, mm-hmm. like, George Lucas really, really liked them. Like, he, he had plans for the Ewoks. Like, mm-hmm. he wanted them to be, like, a central part of the Star Wars universe, even beyond the movies. And, yeah. So it makes it feel very, like, it's for kids most of the time, which is, mm-hmm. I think what was intended and oh yeah 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 and uh yeah i i thought i thought yeah i was uh, watching uh caravan of courage with jake who uh who's our sound awesome sound guy over here <laughs> the sound guy who makes no sound <laughs> <laughs> one day one day um so i was watching it with him he'd previously seen it before i did way back in the day so, uh, only Caravan of Courage, not Battle for Endor. Um, and I was like, Jake, this is, like, the acting's hard to get through. It's brutal. Um, and, like, they're trying, and they're kids. Um, and, uh, and the, um, Ewoks, e- Ewoks were pretty, uh, deep. I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're decent. Their acting was decent. I mean, it was as good as, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, um. I thought it's okay, it's but, cool just to yeah. even see mm-hmm. the Ewoks like, like in live action like that's fun like like I felt like I was you know seeing the same same characters from the movie mm-hmm. which, was, which was which was cool yeah but I, I think the thing that really took me out of the that experience and go like oh I keep forgetting that this is in the Star Wars universe is uh, yeah apparently horses and yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, chickens are in the Star Wars universe, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, birds fine, but like, yeah, the the horses threw me off. <laughs> a lot, lot of horse riding in those two movies. Um, though, though there were blurgs in there. Yeah, the like, that's right. Battle the of Endor. And yeah, that, that was the closest thing we got to special, like the 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 claymation, the stop stop action animation with the the. Like that is so reminiscent of that time period, you know, like that, mm-hmm. like the rain effect, you know. Oh like, yeah. Like that, yeah. that kind of special effect. Um, 
I, I think it was the same guy that did the Tauntauns in uh, uh, Empire Strikes Empire. Back. Yeah, and he was uh, back back for this and did the Blurgs. And it's kind of cool how like they, the Mandalorian took something that obscure. Right, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Like, the, they, they would take that deep a cut. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that nobody, like, like could have possibly really known about mm-hmm. uh, until this stuff was released on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. It's funny. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the actors are doing, like, the, especially the kid act, actors. I, I know, I know I'm friends with one of them on uh, Facebook. Uh, the, the um, young boy, uh, uh, the Mace. Brother. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's another thing. Right. Uh, yeah. The kid, the, the main uh, boy character's name is Mace. I'm wondering if uh, they took Mace Windu from that. Uh. <laughs> I think Mace Windu is Mace Windu as a character, right? He existed like, actually, yeah, in I think, one I think way, it was shape, like, or form, even pre New Hope. Yeah, Hulk, that was. Right? Yeah, I think that was pre. Uh, uh, like, like the when uh, Luke was uh, Luke Starkiller instead of Skywalker. So, yeah, I think like, Mace, that was like way. Mace Windu was a mm-hmm. char- was he a even maybe a dark side character or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have to... I think there was like concept art of him being a dark sider. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, so yeah. Um, Another thing that's interesting too about like, about all of this Ewok stuff is that um, it's completely like outside the Skywalker saga. Like the... the, the oh, yeah. There's no, like, you know, like, pulling from, you know, like, like it really, truly, I don't recall that there's any way you could tell when that was happening. Uh, that was an interesting uh, discussion that I had with uh, my roommate. Um, we, like, we were kind of discussing uh, whether it was uh, before or after Return of the Jedi, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's af- after. Uh, really? Yeah, because I, I feel like uh, if we could new basic enough to speak uh structured sentences like that uh it would probably he probably would have used it in uh return of the jedi yeah that's true, that's true yeah if, if they Plus, thought that I, th- I think the only reason why they were able to like have conversations was because c-3po was there. right interpreting yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think that's interesting like nowadays like it's almost impossible to do that like like everything that they create, like even like in Star Wars or Marvel, like it's all got to fit in the canonical timeline in some way, shape, or form most of the time, and like that, these things just like especially the cartoons, like yeah, mm-hmm. who knows? Which is neither here nor there, but it's interesting. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think is that is that it for Ewoks? Cause that's feel, it for I feel Ewoks. Like that's- Faithful Wookiee is the only other thing other than the, the feature. I, I, I can I can see David like trembling. <laughs> okay. What, the fa- uh, faithful Wookiee? No. Yeah. Um so for those of you who don't know, the Faithful Wookiee is a cartoon segment that was in the holiday special <laughs> uh back in uh, nineteen seventy eight. And uh though the holiday special is uh notoriously known for being one of the most hardest things to sit through and i can confirm watching that four times watching paint dry is more exciting <laughs> yeah. yeah 
a standalone TV show of Jar Jar Binks would be better. Infinitely. <laughs> Infinitely better. Actually, I, that, that does sound way more interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, I'm pretty sure we'll have a discussion about the holiday special, but that'll be way later on. And plus, um, Aaron, means, and, Aaron and I, like, uh, we had like a holiday, uh, a holiday, holiday special viewing party. Uh, I think it was like two, two Decembers ago or three. It's been that long already. Anyway, a- actually, 2018. So, <laughs> sounds like a party to skip on. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting. Yeah, we even brought uh, one of one other friend uh, who like went into the holiday special blind, and she like afterwards she was like, this is you find this entertaining is is this like part of the star wars I'm, we're like no it's uh it, it was it was something it was like uh it was its own thing um and it's nobody ever brings it up again she was like i can see why yeah that's, that's sadistic to <laughs> but, put yourself uh, through that i would say but aside from that uh a lot a lot of people um that I've talked to, they said that the cartoon is probably the best part of it. Oh, by far. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, even even then, uh... I thought that I thought the cartoon was. I just, I mean, the animation style was weird yeah. and wacky mm-hmm. and like in its own category. But mm-hmm. um, it was super fun to hear all the original voices. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, the adventure was you know fairly well-paced and entertaining like in its own you know considering what it was i just thought it was it's i just don't know how it's like how did they manage to make boba fett even in that like a badass like mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was so sinister and so like evil and so like just full-blown like lying to them and like you know and being such a devious agent of the empire already mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah, just and even the voice, his voice, and the way that they portrayed him was—I just thought it was, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, but, but I mean, you know, it's just—it's basically how long is that thing? It's like what, is it like even, probably maybe seven minutes. Yeah, it's not even ten minutes long, is it? Mm-mm, I don't think so. I don't think it is. <laughs> but it, it of all the things, in other than the vintage Clone Wars, like. I feel like that would that piece was the only thing that really felt Star Wars like, it felt more like the movies like, mm-hmm. even though it was nothing close to it. But like, just the characters, the pacing, the dialogue, like everything about it just felt like a little little snippet of Star Wars. That, yeah. Yeah, and plus uh, it was the first time that most people uh, seen Boba Fett for the first time. Yeah. Uh, with the first time being like a, I think it was like a. Um, Rose Bowl parade, like in uh, uh, night. Yeah, it was a Rose Bowl parade in nineteen seventy eight. Uh, they had the prototype Boba Fett, which is all white Boba Fett, for the parade. Uh, he didn't have the color scheme yet until the uh, um, holiday special cartoon. So I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting. It's it's. I think it's 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 cool to just get that. That cartoon piece, just just for the like, for that first on-screen Boba Fett, you know, experience is is worth it. 
Um, he's cl- definitely the coolest part of that cartoon. So, yep. yeah, and plus, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, as Aaron said before, the design, the character designs, maybe outside of Boba Fett, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really weird, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, they weren't even coming close to going for any kind of realism. No. Um, which is fine. I mean, that's fine. Like, the Clone Wars cartoons that we're going to talk about are pretty, like, not yeah, they, going they, for realism either, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of those things like you just you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this is old. Like it just screams out like this is old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can we talk about Clone Wars now? <laughs> all right, yeah. Let all right, best for last. Uh, yeah, there was and, and this is very interesting because um, unlike unlike the um, previous uh, uh, things that we talked about on the show. I did grow up with this. I was there when it was released. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was the first time watching it, uh, I didn't know it was a micro series. There was just like a lot of advertising building and uh, build up towards this. And it was uh, released on Cartoon Network on Friday nights. And uh, the first one um, was five minutes long, which that took me by surprise because it came out. Uh, before uh, uh, Pokemon, the first movie that was showing that night, and I was like, "That's it." So, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was always something that uh, um, I was always looked forward to on Friday nights. Um, I usually had to do the dishes before watching watching it, and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was it was really fun. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was the first time since the original trilogy that I'm aware of that there was any like really like explicit content outside of the movies that came out for like you know on a, on a you know on a large scale for public consumption like mm-hmm. because there wasn't anything between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones that I can recall yeah, not 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 a, not for a visual. Um, right, that's uh, what I mean. Like um, for for like format, TV or no. movies, mm-hmm. there was nothing after between those two movies, and then Clone Wars came out like captures between you know, like Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Um, so I, I remember like I'm think I remember like just like the anticipation of that like because it was so unusual like it's it's crazy to think of this now when it's like you know like you know you have to like basically like almost have to have content constantly coming out at this point mm-hmm. um but back then it was like what like something like authentically star wars that's not a movie that's coming out like that that actually ties in like the characters and the events and everything and like that was i remember that just being really exciting and it was the first time in my mind that they got it right right <laughs> like all the stuff that we talked about before like that was associated with the original the original trilogy the movies were great everything else that they ever did around the original trilogy was terrible um in the 70s and 80s but but the clone wars cartoons i remember just um immediately just being like hypnotized by them i just they were just mm-hmm. so well done like mm-hmm. the, just the visually sound um, 
the characters. I thought that the, the Obi-Wan Anakin dynamic was just maybe even better in that cartoon than it was in the movies. Um, and but it's interesting like I remember <clears throat> I remember like like because so back then like like I'm really struck by like the context of that like comparing when that actually came out to right now and really and I remember reading something where like because I think I remember hearing people say like well why why are you doing this like why is there this five five minute micro series coming out every week like Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? And I remember reading a quote from George Lucas, and he was like, "This is the future. Like, the future is you have to pump out content. Like, so like he was he was I think he was visualizing and envisioning what we are experiencing now, which is that you're gonna have to do like you know with the internet and like cable television, like you're gonna have to put out more than just a movie every three years to like stay visible in the landscape that that was that was." developing at the time mm-hmm. and um i thought that was really interesting because i mean that even like now by today's standards like that would a five minute micro series would be relegated to like youtube or something like oh yeah, yeah that would even, definitely be YouTube it wouldn't have a platform but back then it was like wow like you know and i just remember you know the animation style and the storytelling and everything like that it is utterly it's so entertaining. It's it's so rewatchable. Um, it's just yeah. Like I think it's and watching it again. Like so. Another thing for me about that that particular animated series is that 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 was something that um, when when it came out, my kids were really young, mm-hmm. and so like it was you know they were just you know on it right like and and they, they it captured that prequel era feel for them. Yeah, and my boys especially, they just, they love that cartoon. And watching it again, like, especially being able to watch it, like, in the big chunks, the two, two one-hour chunks, um, it's, it's easily, I think it's some of the best Star Wars stuff that's been done, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know who uh, Gendy uh, Tartakowski is. Um, he's the guy that yeah, did animated. the... Uh, um, he was the animation director for it. Um, he also did um, S- uh, Samurai Jack, Jack yeah. uh, which is another really good uh, show. And I think it's a little that, bit more but, for grown-ups, but yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like the, definitely the last season of that was grown-up oriented. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- uh, he has always been like a really uh, good uh, storyboard director kind of guy. Cause like you could definitely tell there's like storyboard elements that like um that you can tell were like pre uh like arranged like 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 it's like burr, burr, yep. burr, mm-hmm. burr. yeah I, I think it's 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 really I, I i i don't know like enough about that like in general but like even by today's standards like it is really unique mm-hmm. animation um that just works like in a really interesting way and I think that he captured like just that he captured a lot of the color palettes of Star Wars in mm. that really, oh, yes. really well mm-hmm. um, the 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 m- almost all like the the dog fights and scenes in space are just like amazing really good. Yeah. yeah they're really good like 
like it's really good like the and like the, the the design and the color and the and the and the pacing of everything it's like wow it's amazing yeah another thing uh that kind of makes it unique from most star wars uh um uh inter- like anything star wars entertainment is that like like Samurai Jack, it kind of relies on silence uh, some of the time. Mm. Uh, and like I can definitely remember the uh, um, that one uh, chapter with the um, arc troopers in the, in the city. It's mostly silent. They're you mostly they're it's using hand gestures right, right. to do do or that one, and, uh, that one with the like that sand pounder or whatever that oh is. yeah <laughs> you know, there's like very little dialogue in that it's mm-hmm. just it's like and then and then all this action and you see like, mace is going go sailing just <laughs> rolling or that i mean the thing with grievous like that whole like that. i remember the first time i watched that <laughs> like the way that they used silence in that and like dread and anticipation was, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that maybe gave a little bit to, I think that the build up to Grievous kind of made me a bit disappointed with uh, episode three's Grievous, but now now I think I'm kind of I feel like both of the I think I I'm kind of like okay with uh, Grievous now nowadays, but like back then it was like whoa I can't wait to see this guy in theaters and then Obi Wan beats him like nothing. I think I think that what I that that of all the characters I think other than Anakin and Obi Wan like I think mm-hmm. that's Grievous is so central to that whole series and mm-hmm. oh yeah like that's the backstory I was always that you that you read like Grievous if you just take him in the movies really he's just like really cool but like I have no idea who this guy is like he just shows up oh I mean I don't even know if we get. He's he's he gives like one line. I've been trained in your Jedi arts, like that's all the explanation we get for mm-hmm. who he is and why he can do this stuff and like you know and all this stuff. But like I always remember like feeling like like wait, wait who is this guy? Like what mm-hmm. is going on here? And I love the that's what I I probably enjoy the most in terms of character is like the way Grievous like they they develop him right like he's like he's just this like scary destructive like you know force of nature that has a key role in the clone wars that you know that develops that reputation so that when you see the movie it's like oh yeah that's that guy Mm -hmm. he's he's you know he's to be a force to be reckoned with um do you remember that in that one that one episode of the other clone wars cartoon where they go to grievous's Oh, oh yeah, your layer or layer. whatever, mm-hmm. which is like s- super creepy and intense. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that Grievous mm-hmm. is one of those characters that that the original Clone Wars and the other Clone Wars cartoon like it's an example of like why those things are can be useful, like because it fleshes out a really good character that in the movie is really just that there and gone. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Darth Maul too. Like Darth Maul is a completely different character outside of the movie and and the however many minutes he was in phantom menace and like that's what i really enjoy like it's like and i think that both of the clone wars cartoons whether it's this one or the or the 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 bigger series like really do a good job of like expanding that whole time period um 
The other thing I really like about, um, I, I, I don't remember, I, I, just, I forgot how funny that this series is. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really funny. <laughs> and some of the back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan is, mm -hmm. is straight up hilarious. Like, it's really good. I think they really, like, bring out that, like, dynamic between them, you know, and how Anakin's still kind of a kid, mm -hmm. and he's kind of silly and goofy, and he's got a mouth on him, and, like, mm -hmm. and he's, you know, and I, I just really enjoy that. And, like, I, that, that way that they capture that in, in an animation style that's, like, really not very realistic at all, but, like, it's just funny. Like, some of Obi-Wan's facial expressions are <laughs> oh, yeah. just hilarious. So, and they also brought characters back, like, Asajj Ventress. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, that was when they introduced uh, Saj Ventress and uh, Dirge, which uh, that <laughs> yeah, that's another. I like I like how this show uh, when they when they uh, introduce bad guys, it's not like oh this is gonna be villain number uh, thirty seven of the week. Uh, no, these guys are threats. Right. Um, and Dirge was definitely one that was uh, um, a force to be reckoned with. Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and Asajj is really a very, again, like a, she's scary. Like, mm -hmm. She's like this like vampire ninja. Like she's really pretty scary. <laughs> and like, which is also like, I, I think a cool parallel to like Darth Maul. Like it's like, it's like, like these Sith, which is one of the reasons why I don't really like Count Dooku. Like there's just nothing really that makes you go, Ooh, like oh yeah, like when you see Asajj or Darth Maul, you're horrified like almost immediately, like and mm -hmm. I think they really did a good job of like that of her character just being like, she's not only just totally badass and can can like cut you in a million pieces, but like she's scary to look at, like you know. And plus, like another cool thing is that like she doesn't prime like she usually uses her lightsaber as a last resort, like. If you remember on that uh, in that episode in the Yav when they're on uh, Yavin Four uh, with Anakin and those uh, clone troopers, uh, she doesn't take them out with lightsabers. She like force punches them, and force like she, like she has them like flying all over the place and dragging them on the ground. She was she should have been she yeah, should have been mm -hmm. she should have replaced Count Dooku, man. She should mm -hmm. she should have been the one in the movies. She was cool. I honestly, I honestly like uh, her legend story a lot better than the TV show and uh, the Clone Wars that uh, the that's, animated Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. That's in what book? That's from a book, right? Uh, the comic books. Oh, from the comic yeah. books. Yeah. Oh, so okay. it was was canon. Then Disney took when Disney took over, they scrapped scrapped it. Then they kind of redid her story. Then I haven't. Uh, what's what's the book with her and Quinlan? Yeah. Uh, Dark, Dark Disciple. Disciple. Yeah. yeah, I haven't read that one yet because I'm almost afraid to because mm -hmm. I really like the EU version of Asajj and Quinlan. Um, but I, I will get into that at some point. Um, but she, Asajj has such an interesting backstory that they, they kind of went into that with the animated Clone Wars. Um, but then it really gets deep into why she has this like hatred for Obi-Wan, which doesn't really go into the animated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that is. Oh, oh you're waiting for it. I don't oh, know yeah. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see. It's been a while since I've read, read it, but I saw a video on it. She captures 
um, Obi-Wan then Alpha 17 on the battle during the Battle of Jabim take takes some prisoner and can't break Obi-Wan can't break Obi-Wan doesn't break Alpha 17 either they end up breaking out um, and then Obi-Wan kind of learns her backstory and she had kept her master's old lightsabers and kind of like almost like a shrine kind of thing kind of out of respect for him um, and Obi-Wan stole those lightsabers from her oh so like for the rest of the Clone Wars comics she's like oh yeah after Obi-Wan and it, it even goes to the point where Obi Anakin she goes to Coruscant to try to hunt down Obi-Wan but she actually finds Anakin and finds out he and Padme are a thing and he threatens Padme so Asajj yeah yeah so there's like this huge duel between Anakin and Asajj which is when Anakin gets that burn mark Asajj catches him and kind of whips him up the side of the face and Anakin uses a force and wraps her in uh, like electrical cords power cords and then basically drops her off the building so he thinks she's dead Obi-Wan thinks she's still alive and then it goes into the Battle of Boss Pity um, where Asajj has been taken and basically kind of reconstructed kind of like how Grievous was so then there's this whole kind of fight between her and Obi-Wan and Anakin jumps in and then she actually dies Dooku actually has a Magna Guard shooter because she's failed him for the last time right 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 um but it goes she like dies quote unquote dies in Obi-Wan's hands and then she's loaded onto like a casualty transport and then basically comes back to life and then hijacks the transport and just flies off into space like, huh. like the one pilot it, it's such a cool cool phrase the pilot asks something about where does she want to go she goes as far as way as far away as we can get huh. like she's just done with done. the public she's mm-hmm. done with the separatists she's done with just yeah her old previous existence that yeah. sounds very similar to what they did with Darth Maul it, it's like, pretty similar some, somewhat similar interesting I did not know that and, and even in uh, like some of the extended universe books she, she's described as like a really good duelist like there was this one I don't remember which book it was but there was this Jedi she she whooped and Dooku wouldn't let her let her kill him it gave him a message sent him back to the council with the message because they were gonna, I think they were like gonna trap, try to lure Yoda out and try to kill him or something like that. That Jedi, Je- Jedi Master, like he knew he got his rear end handed to him by Asajj, so he he trained and trained and trained to try to beat her next time. So they end up catching up, fighting, and during the duel, the one th- like it goes into like a thought process, and the one thing he never took into consideration was that he, she was so much better than he was. Mm-hmm. And she ends up killing him, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Dark Disciple story is a little different. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm at. A yeah. little, little hesitant. To it's go good, though. And like, I mean, like, I think a lot of fans like that story between her and Quinlan, but it's very I mean, different. E- even Quinlan, his... That, I love the EU, the Dark Horse Clone War comics, because it goes so deep into some of these characters. Like, Quinlan in Dark Disciple he does go undercover to try to discover or kill Count Duke or whatever 
But in the comics, he actually does it as a double agent to try to figure out who the second Sith is. Because they know Dooku's a Sith. But they have no idea who that second Sith Master is. Mm. So then he goes into the whole struggle of falling to the dark side, getting corrupted, bringing back, and now he's a double agent for Count Dooku in the Jedi. And he goes back and forth for like a long time while he still has like the secret lover that's one of his agents. Which So that's where they got in the new canon where it's Asajj Ventress. That's, right. He falls in love with. Right. But then it goes into he ends up being brought back to the light uh, by his old master Tholm and then uh, Ela Sakura who was Quinlan's apprentice. Which I don't think goes into anything in that Dark Disciple. Mm-hmm. But they bring him back, back to the light. Then he goes to Kashyyyk, and he survives Order 66. Mm. Like, barely. Then he goes back to his agent that he's fell in love with, and they end up having a kid. His master survives Order 66 too. Then they're almost, like, hiding away, and that's where it ends. What are they doing? <laughs> I hear, like, a whistle. Yeah, there's a bunch of kids playing soccer in the back there. One of them just got a whistle and just, just blowing it. Yeah. Oh, I boy. have a paintball gun. You want to call? <laughs> I have, I have uh, Anakin on speed dial. You want to give him a call? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's a that's really I I think an an interesting I don't know if we want to if this is gonna be a part of the podcast but. I really, I really think that there's some. It's really interesting to like look at um, extended universe or legends versus new canon, and like, because some things are totally different. But then there's a lot of things where they take those characters and bring them into canon, but change the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're doing that more and more, and I think we're going to see a lot of that with Thrawn and and the you know different different storylines and stuff. It's really interesting, like just. Because like legend stuff, like I didn't, I didn't, I, like when the extended universe was was actually still canon. That was like when I was like in the in the throes of raising my children. So like oh. I had just enough time for like the movies and any TV shows, but like I didn't have like a ton of time for like all the comics and books and stuff. So it's kind of like a blind mm-hmm. spot for me. But um, but it's just really interesting seeing like. So first Disney says, okay, that's none of that's canon anymore, but then they draw from it. Oh like, yeah, constantly, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's almost becoming like its own. Like you could have like a whole conversation, ongoing conversation about, you know, going back into legends and like I think there's some people who do some pretty good YouTube videos. I think you sent a few like a while back about like different characters, like and like giving the backstory of what they were in legends and then what they're doing with them now. Which just kind of reminds me, like the conversations you hear when, like, you watch like a Marvel something on some Marvel movie or TV show, and then they tell you, like, okay, so here's what the comic book version is, and like here's the storyline in the comics, but then here's here's what they're doing, like like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like they they, they take like Isaiah Bradley from one comic book storyline, put him in the show, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly the same, mm-hmm. and it's so I I'm fascinated by like that conversation around like like you know comparing like two creative versions of the same character i think that's super interesting and and like it, it's it's an interesting way to like to re, like 
realize like that like you know a, a character you know can be taken and done in a bunch of different ways and it's just yeah really interesting. that's what my brother and i talk a lot about because we we grew up uh with the yeah the comic books a lot like the jedi apprentice books which is oh, a, like, yeah. a, like uh-huh. a 15 20 book series on obi-wan and qui-gon and then how they meet the relationship different missions they go on then you have phantom menace then you have the Jedi quest books, which are Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm-hmm. The missions they go on is young Jedi master, young young apprentice. And then after Revenge of the Sith, you have the last of the Jedi books, which are, I, I need to get back into those. But one of them, uh, the only one I actually remember is Obi-Wan <clears throat> has like this conversation with Qui-Gon. That there's... Uh, an old Jedi apprentice who, in the Jedi quest books, had this kind of a rivalry with Anakin, and they never got along. Then something happened, and then he left, just left the Jedi Order. Well, that kid comes back into this book series as I don't I don't remember the exact details, but he comes back and Obi Wan leaves Tatooine to go find him. And then there's a part where he finds him there in this building, and then Boba Fett shows up. As a young Boba Fett, and Obi Wan's like, "Oh, I can't let him see me because yeah, he, he knows me. I know him. This could go really bad." Right. So then there's like this whole couple chapters where I think it's a couple chapters where Boba Fett and this droid bounty hunter are chasing Obi Wan and this former Jedi. See, like that's the kind of stuff that I think like it's like it's really interesting, like because there's so and because Disney like has had the franchise for such a short period of time whereas this stuff developed over years years and years and years and it's a bit more extensive and rich and i i would venture to guess like just from my experience with most of the disney like most of the disney books and comics i've found to be less than compelling like some of it's really good depending on the author but like Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's interesting to like know like like you know what were some of the other things that were done with those characters that might have been better than like and like and you'll hear people talk about like you know like like people who are familiar with that content will be like clamoring you know like like do that again like you know bring it into a movie bring it into a a, a TV show and tell that story like almost exactly that way mm-hmm. here you know and um, and sometimes they I think they do but if you don't know that that exists then you're like you just don't even aren't even aware of it like I'm really curious to see like when they do the Obi-Wan TV show mm-hmm. like there's a really good Obi-Wan book the John Jackson Miller oh, yeah, the yeah. John Jack- yep. mm-hmm. that's like a, yeah. that's probably one of the yeah. best Star Wars books I've ever read and I'm super curious to see if they take anything from that you know like it, like when you watch the show are you going to be like oh they they read that they pulled you know some of that whether it's a scene or a character or a storyline or whatever. Anyway, that yeah, was off subject. I forgot about that. that. That's a really good book. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great, it's, it's a great book. Well, even too, like right away, the first thing to come out once, once Disney bought the rights to it was that Ahsoka book, mm-hmm. which is, did any of you guys? The young adult one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a great book, but even some of that stuff is kind of contradicting what they're doing with the Clone Wars and, uh, kind of Ahsoka's journey now mm-hmm. yeah I could talk anyway, all day so about legends 
So, oh, Clo- yeah. so Clone Wars cartoon. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I just think that I think that the, 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 this, the Clone, the vintage Clone Wars is, yeah, that, I'm, that's, I was really glad to see that they put that on Disney Plus and that they, they made the decision to allow that to be on there, even though it, it's definitely because it's, I mean, literally like, it's not canon. Right? Yeah. Like because they're the Clone Wars series, the one that we all know. Right, like that's the canon version, right? Because there's no Ahsoka in the micro series. There's, you know, there there isn't a lot of stuff that's in the other Clone Wars, um, but it's so so good. Like it's just it's it's really important. And I think it's good that they 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 were willing to put that out there. You know, I'm not sure why they put the other stuff on there to be honest, but <laughs> but the Clone Wars cartoons are yeah, those are those are amazing totally you know some of my favorite star wars content mm-hmm. yeah same here all right i think that will be it for us for uh this episode um if you really like that uh please check out our other trend trend report episodes which are on any uh, uh podcasting formats out there um we re- recently uh got acquired on uh, Spotify so you can check us out there as well um, and you can follow us on uh, Facebook Twitter and Instagram um, on fa- on uh, Twitter and Instagram it's at Trent Trend Report um, you, you can follow us individually if you want you can follow Aaron at Bro Russo on uh, Twitter and Instagram and you can follow me uh, BootsFet1 at uh, um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, David, is there any um, any uh, social media platform you want to have followers? Uh... Sure, yeah. Um, on Instagram, I'm uh, Nova underscore Yoda. Uh, that's uh, my call sign with my Airsoft team. I usually put up uh, Airsoft stuff, um, Star Wars drawings, stuff like that. So yeah, feel free to look me up that way. All right, and uh, thanks, thanks again for uh, supporting our uh, uh, podcast and in uh, giving a listen. And uh, we will be seeing you guys uh, very soon. Oh yeah, Bad Batch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yep, that, definitely back for Bad Batch. So, all right, may the force be with you. Always. Always. <laughs> Great shot, kid. That was one in a million.